1: W.A.B.C. New York and 107.1 W.L.I.R. Hampton Bay's. It's the 77 W.A.B.C. News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 W.A.B.C. Yeah, that's me. 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, November 7th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center could see some morning showers. In fact, it's raining right now here in Midtown. Then some sun and clouds this afternoon, high 68. Tonight, overnight, clear, low 44. And then Wednesday, The sun reappears for the entire day. Sunshine, high 54. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 55 and raining in Larchmont up in Westchester, 51 and cloudy in Edison down in New Jersey, 54 and raining here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up. Six o'clock hour, Sid and friends in the morning. It is election day. It's one of those weird off-year elections where not a lot of people vote. So we saw some of the numbers come in from the seven days where you could vote ahead of time, right? So uh 85,000 people out of 4.6 million. Took part in the, uh, is that me that's playing that music or is that you? Oh, it's you. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, th- I was like pulling all these things down in my audio, trying to figure it out. So five, so it's 4.6 million potential voters in New York City. 85,000 took advantage of early voting. So we don't know what's going to happen today, but there are some interesting races here in the city. All 51 city council seats are up for grabs. Um, some of the bigger races and more contested ones, uh, ones, Let's see. Queens District 19. That is a uh, city councilwoman, Vicki Palladino, the Republican uh running against Tony Avella. The th- two of them have run against each other. I think it's three times now. And so that one, we just don't know what's going to happen today. Vicki Palladino is always awfully fun to talk to. I checked in with her about a week ago to see how the campaign was going. There
2: is such a genuine affection for me because I am so reachable and touchable. I'm always boots on the ground. My office is, if not, the busiest city council
1: office so when they ran against each other, the last time was 2021, Palladino won by about 300 votes. I mean, that's how close this thing could be today. We
2: have solved well over 2,000 cases. We've taken care of everything from trees and potholes to stop signs and infrastructure, most important infrastructure.
1: By the way, don't see that as an endorsement of Vicky Paladino. For me, I don't endorse anybody. She's just so awfully, always awfully fun to talk to. Then in um, Brooklyn, District 47, that's... um. Bensonhurst, uh, Coney Island, Gravesend, I think Seagate is in there as well. You have the Democratic City Councilman Justin Brannon going against Republican City Councilman Ari Kagan. Now, they're both current City Council members, but they have these uh, adjoining districts uh, that were redrawn into District 47. So now they're going to face off against each other. Kagan was a Democrat until he switched over to the Republican Party. Don't know what's going to happen there today. That should be awfully interesting. And then not too far away, Brooklyn District 48. That's, uh, Brighton Beach, uh, Head Bay, uh, Luna Park. Those are some of the areas included in Brooklyn District 48. You have the incumbent there, uh, Ina Vernikoff, taking off against, uh, the challenger Democrat Ambler Adler. Uh, Vernikoff, uh, had that moment just a couple weeks ago where she's a licensed gun owner and was seen with a gun protruding from her waistband while at a counter-protest of a pro-Palestinian march. She got in all kinds of legal trouble for that. Uh, Don't know if that'll make a difference to voters there. Let's see. We'll do one more from the city council race. Um, Out in Queens District uh, 22, that's Astoria, Rikers Island. I think Jackson Heights, Woodside, that's in there as well. You have Tiffany Caban, the Democrat, trying to hold on to her seat. Her challenger is Republican uh, Kelly Klingman.
0: What I love about this neighborhood is it just, it has that quintessential New York neighborhood feel to it. It's working class, and that's starting to disappear in our city. That's why I'm running for office.
1: There's not a ton of polling done in a lot of these races because they're small-time races, but uh, Kelly hoping she can eke out a victory today. I
0: believe that there's just Lot of education that needs to go out there, and, and we need to get back to just voting for the person. Who is the best person to do the job? that needs to be done. All right,
1: so some of those the big city council races, there are other ones as well, but I don't have time to get to all of them. Out on the Suffolk County, Suffolk County executive gig, that's up for grabs. You have the uh, Democrat Dave Colon running in hopes of bringing what he says a different skill set to Suffolk County. And then you have Republican Ed Romaine. He's hoping that his experience and leadership, he says, counts uh, both candidates vying for the seat that's been held by the outgoing county executive Democrat Steve Ballone for the last 12 years. And then in New Jersey, you have all the state senate and assembly seats they are up for grabs. A fair amount of them are unopposed, which is really distressing. Some of these don't even have a candidate running against them a fair amount of them by the way democrats in new jersey currently have a 25 to 15 advantage in the state senate and a 46 to 34 lead in the state assembly party control nobody thinks that's going to change today unless some shocking thing happens over the next 12 or 15 hours uh one really int- well there's a couple interesting races but again uh, you know i only have an hour show the um one of the interesting ones is uh this truck Driver Edward Durr, this is in um, South Jersey. You'll remember he made national headlines two years ago when he pulled off one of the biggest upsets maybe in the nation <laughs> when he defeated the Democratic incumbent and longtime Senate President Steve Sweeney in South Jersey's third legislative district. So now Democrats have spent the last years trying to figure out how to get rid of Edward Durr, who, by the way, had no money for his campaign. He just he charged everything to his credit cards. So now today he's fighting for his short political life. Uh, you have Democrats and progressives. Political action committees have been targeting him. Well-funded ones, by the way. Um, so he's going to face off against this 10-term Democratic Third District Assemblyman John Bercelli. Um, so, what, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that race as well as the day wears on. So, Paul's open in New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut, six o'clock this morning. They stay open until 8 o'clock in Connecticut and New Jersey and 9 o'clock here in New York. And the best part is when those polls close, and even beforehand, you can hear all the results. Well, the results, not until, of course, the polls close. But you can hear everything right here, 77 WABC, starting 7 o'clock tonight. We will have coverage of all these races. And as the results roll in, we will tell you about them. WABC Time 509, former President Donald Trump calling his New York civil fraud trial here in the city. A total scam of oh, just a back and forth between him and the judge yesterday. After he wrapped up his testimony on the stand yesterday, Trump said the case totally needs to be tossed. This
3: is a case that should have never been brought, and it's a case that should be immediately.
1: Dismissed. The former president sparred with the Democratic uh, Democrat, who is the elected judge in this case, as prosecutors pressed Trump on his financial records. At one point, the judge called on Trump's lawyers to control their client.
3: Inflation and all of the other
2: problems that this country has, I think it's a disgrace.
1: Trump accused of inflating his net worth so the Trump organization could obtain more favorable loans. Trump's daughter Ivanka will testify in the case reportedly tomorrow. That is as Trump's lawyer, Alina Hava, criticizing the judge in this case.
4: Everyone has a right in this country to get up and put a defense. I don't care who you are. Then why exactly Am I being paid as an attorney, and why exactly are taxpayer dollars being used in this courtroom?
1: Habba called the judge unhinged. Trump called the proceedings a very unfair trial. And I've
4: had a judge who is unhinged slamming a table. Let me be very clear, I don't tolerate that in my life. I'm not going to tolerate it here.
1: The case involves a $250 million lawsuit filed by the Democratic New York Attorney General Letitia James. The lawsuit claims Trump and others intentionally inflated the value of his assets. Of course, other people weighing in on this. She had Governor Hochul, the Democrat, she said yesterday she hopes the truth comes out uh, during the Trump trial. Far
4: from telling the truth, as he's required to do, he's throwing temper tantrums from the witness stand and verbally attacking judges and courtroom staff, his conduct has been a disgrace.
1: Hochul says she's fully confident Trump will be held accountable for his actions. Five eleven down to Washington. President Biden speaking to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu yesterday about the so-called tactical pauses, with the death toll in Gaza now above ten thousand. That's according to the Hamas-led health ministry. In an exclusive interview yesterday with uh, ABC, Netanyahu rejected the very idea of a ceasefire, even as the bodies pile up in Gaza. Uh, Israeli forces, meanwhile, over the past 24 hours, took control of another Hamas military compound in northern Gaza. Soldiers found Anti-tank missiles, launchers, weapons, various intelligence material at the site. In a separate incident, Israeli forces directed an airstrike on a group of terrorists that had barricaded themselves inside a building next to one of Gaza's biggest hospitals. The IDF said the strike led to significant secondary explosions that indicated to them that Hamas had weapons uh, held up there. Israel continues to accuse Hamas of placing its terrorist infrastructure in and launching attacks from civilian sites such as hospital schools, houses of worship and United Nations building. The army has provided visual evidence of this over the last couple of days, including some of these terror tunnels that as humanitarian aid is flowing into Gaza. But U.S. officials say it's not enough. State Department Deputy Spokesman Vedant Patel told reporters on Monday that the U.S. is aggressively pushing to get more aid into the Gaza Strip as the war between Israel and Hamas continues. He said more than 400 trucks carrying supplies have crossed into Gaza from Egypt, but
3: much more is needed. Meanwhile, Patel says the U.S. so far has helped more than 300 U.S. citizens evacuate from Gaza. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: Last night, thousands of people gathering Central Park West, what was called a United for Israel rally, the event to commemorate the somber 30 days of the attack of October 7th and to recall the lives of those lost in to renew the plea to get those hostages back from Gaza. I
2: think people have a right to express how they feel. I'm not worried that it will create any hardship. Remember their memories. They don't, they don't go away in vain. We need to be able to come together as a Jewish community and not be afraid.
1: You would have thought there was a visiting president with the amount of security there was for this rally last night. Uh, one of the people there was... Uh, Gilly Roman, his sister Yarden, she's among one of the people currently being held captive somewhere in Gaza. They hope she's alive. Uh, she was taken, uh, by herself. Her husband and her little girl somehow got away. Here he was at the rally last night.
3: It was, uh, a little kid that used to be in the back, but I guess all the family members always go there. When they, when they cook, they do barbecues and stuff in the backyard. And
1: yeah, stuff. I don't think that's him. So let's see if we can find him here. Uh, maybe this is the right one.
0: I honestly felt safer in Israel than I feel here today because there's a, there's a violence in the air that is on the loose here. Here, it's on the loose, like, every day.
1: All right, well, that was somebody at the rally. But uh, what he went on to say is that his sister is still being held captive today. Um, and uh, he's calling on Hamas to release all 200-plus hostages, uh, 10 of them at least believed to be Israeli, 50 of them believed to be from Thailand, the rest of them believed to be Israelis. Um, so far, no sign that they're alive, or, but no sign that they're dead either. And, of course, I imagine Israeli intelligence not telling us everything they know about these hostages, where they are, or if they're even close to getting them out. But um part of the deal with this uh, pause in the fighting is Bibi Netanyahu says he'll pause the fighting for a day or two if Hamas releases those hostages. There's no sign that Hamas is willing to do that. All right, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, Justin Ellis.
3: Happy Tuesday to you as well. Noam Aladin. Last night, Week Nine wrapped up with the LA Chargers at MetLife to battle the Jets on Monday Night Football, ending with a twenty-seven six LA beatdown of New York. Despite the score, Justin Herbert and the Chargers' offense didn't have to do much during the win. Now, uh, when their sack-happy defense and opportunistic special teams were making big plays for them, uh, Darius Davis returned a punt eighty-seven yards for a touchdown. Austin Eckler ran for two scores, and Joey Bosa and the L.A. defense stifled Zach Wilson and the Jets' offense to the tune of eight sacks and multiple turnovers. Despite facing the NFL's worst-ranked passing defense, Wilson and the Jets, they couldn't get anything going. Zach was 33 of 49 for 263 yards, and New York went 3 for 17 on third downs and 0 for 2 in the red zone. Sticking with the NFL for a second, the Giants' fears regarding quarterback Daniel Jones and his right knee were confirmed yesterday around noon, with the team announcing that an MRI did indeed show a torn ACL for the young quarterback. Obviously, Jones will miss the remainder of the season out on the hardwood. The Knicks took care of the LA Clippers at home by a score of 111 to 97. Julius Randle scored 27 points. R.J. Barrett had 26, and his return to the lineup in New York is able to spoil. James Harden's debut in his new threads. Mitchell Robinson added 13 points and 14 rebounds as well as the Knicks snapped their two-game losing streak and recorded their first home victory of the season. They'll try and make it two in a row on home court come tomorrow night when they welcome in the San Antonio Spurs. As for the Nets, they dropped a close one to the Milwaukee Bucks, falling just short in a 129-125 to loss at home. Giannis Antetokounmpo was his usual self, registering 36 points and 12 rebounds in route to the win for Milwaukee. Despite the loss, Cam Thomas went scorched earth for Brooklyn with 45 points in his fourth 30-point game of the season. The Nets fall to three uh, three and four overall on the young season and are still winless at Barclays with an 0 three record at home on the ice. No local action last night, but we're treated to a triple header tonight with all three squads back on the ice at 7:30. The Islanders will walk up in the Minnesota Wild while the Rangers face off with the Red Wings and later on at 10 p.m. the Devils are in Colorado to Buttheads with the Avalanche. Noam, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC.
1: WABC News Time 519. Let's go down to D.C. The Biden administration putting billions of dollars towards upgrading Amtrak's Northeast Corridor. President Biden announcing more than $16 billion for upgrades. He was in Delaware Monday. Of course, he used to ride the train Amtrak when he was a senator, back and forth between Delaware and D.C.
3: 25 different projects. All the build the northeast corridor from Boston to Washington. It's part of my agenda to invest in America, and I've been fighting for this for a long time. But they used to call them Amtrak, Joe.
1: I know I'm probably not getting that right. The projects include rebuilding 100-year-old tunnels and bridges, upgrading tracks, improving travel times. That's the big one. Why is it still four hours to go from New York to Washington? They Shouldn't they have a high-speed
3: train? Over 2,200 trains running this corridor every single day serving 800,000 passengers. It's the busiest rail corridor in the United States and one of the busiest in the world.
1: And it's kind of expensive, too. You know, my kid always wants to get on an Amtrak train. I always have to think twice when I see how much it is. It's almost the same price as a flight. The uh, funds come from the bipartisan infrastructure laws over all $66 billion investment in rail. President Biden says, uh, was well, a senator, he took Amtrak for decades while commuting to Washington, D.C., uh It is, well, almost exactly a year before the 2024 race for the White House. A majority of Americans think the nation heading in the wrong direction. Here are some New Yorkers in Midtown talking about this. Not very positive, that's for
3: sure. I'm afraid for the country. I'm afraid.
4: I'm very frightened.
3: I just can't be bothered by it.
4: I really wish that there were two brand new...
1: Candidates. Yeah, there's a lot of people who think that according to this new poll from abc new Ipsos poll 95 percent of republicans think the country's going in the wrong direction 76 percent of independence and 54 percent of democrats
3: there's a lot of people so if you think that gas prices are high now wait there'll be ten dollars and then forget it
1: economy is number one and in, in-
3: energy independence and, and close that border because right now you know, our enemies are just running, running across that border right now. And
1: across the border, when these voters were asked about this, uh, they kept pointing to the two people at the top, Biden and Trump, saying, could not they replace them with somebody else? But uh, Donald Trump definitely still has his supporters here in New York. Everything that Democrats said would happen under Trump has happened under Biden and worse. Everything. Economies in the toilet We're this
3: close to World War Three. People are just fed up with the government. And Donald Trump is the middle finger to the government
1: daylight saving time that began of course on sunday and there have been a lot of people for years who have pushed back against this to say why do we still have this but there is no will apparently in washington to change this to get rid of this changing of the clocks in the fall and springing forward in the spring um they were talking about this in dc lawmakers yesterday i'm
2: not aware of any current movement to change it again maybe People will uh, be inspired to do something about it. But right now, I have not heard anything.
1: That's Senator John Cornyn of Texas. He says he has heard from people, but he says they may not like it. But uh, daylight saving started back in 1918. I mean, it goes back a long way. So he says it'll be tough to change it We've all. We've
2: got a lot of important things to deal with. I'm happy to discuss that and deal with it. But... Uh, Honestly, it's not a priority for me. Yeah,
1: that's what a lot of these senators say. No big deal. I got bigger things on my plate right now. Change
2: is hard. And uh, there's some people just like it the way it is for no other reason than that. That's the way it's always been.
1: 523. Some customers at banks across the nation still haven't been paid their bank deposits. So they deposited money in, maybe it came from their workplace, but there's been some sort of human error uh, and some people say the money hasn't showed up in their accounts. Banks
0: emphasize to their customers that their funds are secure, according to CNN. A statement from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says the agency is aware of the issue and monitoring how institutions are responding. Payments that didn't go through needed to be resent, which can take extra time. I'm Lisa Taylor.
1: All right, let's go to the strikes, the uh, the uh, potential strikes across the country. You have the United Auto Workers President, Sean Fain, says General Motors employees will get a 25% pay raise if the tentative deal with GM is ratified. Fain says that the companies are starting to see the UAW's cohesiveness, and he says that's why he's able to get these deals done. You know, the companies saw we had a unified union, not, you know, in the past... There was always, uh, you know two sets of people, the membership on the floor and the leadership in Detroit, and uh, it's not that way anymore. We're one unit. Yeah, he says part of this deal goes up 33% when accounting for inflation. The maximum pay will rise to $42 an hour. Pay will go up by 11% in the first year of this contract, and Fain says they have drastically decreased how long it takes UAW members to earn top pay. So he thinks this deal will get done. And then you have uh, SAG-AFTRA. Boy, they've been out for, it is 113 days uh they're reaching out to their members uh they were day all day yesterday upon reviewing the hollywood studios last and they say best and final offer that they'll get in a post on x the actors union said quote there are several essential items in which we still do not have an agreement including
2: artificial intelligence in related posts the union thanked members for their unwavering dedication and unity as an end to the 116-day actor strike may not be imminent. I'm Brooks Walker. NBC News
1: Radio. I mean, it's amazing still going on. Office sharing company WeWork filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. It wasn't a shock. We saw it coming, but when you think about the fact that back in 2019, this company was valued at $47 billion. Dump, uh, $47 billion. Uh, many companies ended their leases, of course, during the pandemic, and that did the company, and they weren't doing great uh, as the pandemic came in. But um, there's just millions of Square feet leased across almost 800 locations worldwide that are hurting this company. And that's why they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. It is the start of November, but for some families, that means it's time to put up the Christmas tree early. And some experts say that decorating for the holidays can boost your mental health. So go ahead, start early.
0: If you're thinking about it in a positive way about yay, hope, and future, and time with family or friends, you get that dopamine.
1: Texas A&M psychology professor Kelly Sopak there says that smell plays a huge part. It connects the brain with a certain time and place. We know
0: that that excitement about what's going to come, like activate our reward system reminiscing on the positive aspect of it we have an increase in like feeling of social connectedness that is going to increase the mood
1: yeah i've seen some of those decorations go already go up in my neighborhood the opening bell it rings this morning after stocks closed just slightly higher to start the week of the closing bell dow gained 35 points s&p 500 added seven the nasdaq rose 40 points investors today they'll be keeping an eye out on word from uber as the ride hailing service reports their third quarter earnings data on u.s trade deficit and consumer credit that's also due out today talk radio 77 wabc it's the 77 wabc news hour talking the news with noah laden all the news you need to know with joe nolan traffic justin ellick sports and now talking the news with noah on 77 wabc yep that's me good morning it is tuesday november 7th your forecast from the ramsey mazda weather center could see some morning showers in fact we're seeing some rain in midtown right now then sun and clouds the high Sixty-eight Tonight and overnight, clear, low 44. And then Wednesday, sunshine, high 54. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 55 and raining in Larchmont up in Westchester. 51 and cloudy in Edison down in New Jersey. And it is 54, we'll call it misty here in Midtown. We'll start this half hour. With the MTA, they're launching their 2023 fall customer survey. New York City Transit President Richard Davey says the goal is to hear from at least 100,000 customers over the next two weeks, which they say will inform the MTA's priorities over the next six months. Please spend a few minutes, fill out that survey, but be assured what you're telling us is being heard and acted on. Now, of course, the riders... Uh, Well, they either hate or love this time of year because they say they get to complain, but those complaints aren't always heard. Security and hygiene. Platforms is dirty. They stink. I live out in
0: Brooklyn. And whenever I try getting, hit, getting the R train, it just doesn't show up or comes 10 minutes late, 15 minutes late.
1: Davy says the MTA has seen progress in its work to improve safety in stations and trains. Riders are expected uh, they want more frequent subway service. And Davy says the agency adding trains where it can, but riders still have a lot of complaints. It certainly is something we expect to hear, but I would also not be, I would be surprised if we didn't see improvement uh, in some of those categories, given all the attention that... Uh, that MTA has given and the resources, you know, that we've been given. Here were some riders out in Brooklyn yesterday. Tim, I had an email from a customer. Oh, no, that's just a, uh, still the president there of the MTA. Tim, I had an email from a customer just a week and a half ago asking if we would move a bus stop, one bus stop of the thousands we have. We kicked it to our planning team and our bus team. We looked at it and we said, you know what, we agree with the customer. All right, so there they did change things around. Here's some more complaints from riders who say they'll fill out this form.
2: More security so many incidents that are happening everybody doesn't feel safe it's not as safe i'd rather take a bus than a train the bus is always dirty they got roaches some of them got bed bugs
1: bed bugs really i haven't heard that one 534 out to a uh, newark a mother Taken into custody after a five-year-old boy stabbed last night. Cops responding to Murray Street in Newark on a call of a child being stabbed. When they got there, they found this five-year-old with stab wounds. He was taken to University Hospital. The good news is he's in stable condition. The boy's mother taken into questioning uh, for questioning as Newark detectives try to get some answers as to what happened inside that house. Here's a neighbor who said didn't know the family that well, but knew that there was a kid living there. It
3: was uh, a little kid that used to be in the back, but I guess all the family members always go there when they, when they cook. They do barbecues and stuff in the backyard and stuff like that. But I never, I never, they never had no problems. For that to happen, it's it's very weird. That's very disturbing, very disturbing. Yeah, the
1: incident remains under investigation. Again, that boy expected to recover. Let's bring it back here into the city. Mayor Adams denies knowing the company at the heart of a federal probe into his campaign finances. The mayor did admit... He's been in touch with his top fundraiser, Brianna Suggs, whose brownstone was raided last Thursday as part of the FBI's probe into potential public corruption. Here was the mayor yesterday on WPIX. I
3: have not been contacted by any law enforcement agency, and no, no law enforcement agency has determined that anyone associated with our campaign did anything wrong. Mayor
1: Adams says he's unfamiliar with KSK Construction Group. This is the group that apparently took money, this is the allegation, from Turkey and then funneled that money from Turkey through this construction company to Mayor Adams' campaign. Uh, As for Suggs, the federal agents were reportedly searching her home for evidence of a possible plot to illegally funnel that money from Turkey into Adams' campaign chest uh, using straw donors. Governor Hochul uh, weighing in on this. uh, She was asked about this during a press conference yesterday. She thought what she has to say about Mayor Adams and the fundraising probe.
4: We have been good partners. I've seen the reports. I've seen no coverage or reporting that says the mayor has been accused of any wrongdoing. And so we're going to continue working together. That's what New Yorkers expect. And that's what the New Yorkers will get.
1: So so far, the governor defending the mayor says that Mayor Adams laser focused on the migrant crisis.
4: He has been laser focused on this. Our teams are embedded together. We have a lot of work to do, so I have full confidence that he will not be distracted. In fact, we're very much aware that he's on the job serving New Yorkers.
1: The governor making those comments yesterday. She was holding a press conference on expanding access to birthing doulas and an attempt to combat maternal and infant deaths. Governor Hochul signing a law yesterday that will create a directory so New Yorkers can connect with licensed doulas. It'll be
4: easier to find them. It'll ultimately reduce barriers to getting good quality maternal care, infant care, and helping these areas where we're trying to fight and drive down the mortality rates.
1: The governor says New York is currently ranked fourth in the nation for the lowest infant mortality rate, but there's still apparently a big racial gap since black infants are nearly three times as likely to die as white infants. It ends
4: now. It ends on our watch because that is an injustice in its purest form, and I won't tolerate it. So we will right the wrongs of the past and ensure that every mom and baby gets a first-rate Care.
1: All right, that doula list will be up and running come January 1st, 2024. Of course, uh well, this year, next year. This is 2023 now, no, next year is 2024. WABC News Time 539. Let's go out to Long Island. An outpouring of grief at a high school on Long Island for two brothers killed in a house fire that happened over the weekend. Grief counselors made available yesterday at West Islip High. Incredibly tough day for friends of Kyle Dialgames. 16, who was on the West Islip High School football team, was killed in this house fire. We all
0: wore blue and gold, and there was a memorial in his football locker with flowers and post-it notes written to him, uh, just showing
1: all the love and support we had for him. His older brother, 24-year-old Matthew, had also gone to West Islip High. He was killed in this fire as well. hit you all very hard. Yeah,
3: it's, it turns the entire town upside down, even if you don't know him. Um, if you, even if you don't know the kid, this, something like this just turns the entire town just something that you never would expect to happen.
1: Yeah. And if there's any nice thing out of this, uh, the parents, uh, were able to get out of the home, but they're in bad shape. And the town has raised a hundred thousand. Actually, it's more than that. We've raised a hundred thousand dollars for the family. So 541 while we're out on Long Island, uh, what is going on with anti-Semitism and Long Island high schools? We keep getting tons of reports. Two more Long Island school districts have reported anti-Semitic incidents. The latest hateful displays found in Comac and Syosset. Comac school superintendent sending a message to families yesterday notifying them of the latest incident. That is, families complain, like, what's going on?
2: I'm very concerned about anti-Semitism in the community. I know the school does a lot of programming, but apparently they need to do some more. We need to nip it in the bud.
1: In Syosset, the school superintendent, talking about this last night. Anti-Semitism
3: and any other form of hate is always wrong. I know our teachers want to do this work, and we'll make great efforts to get this sensitive topic just right.
1: Hey, it doesn't sound angry enough, does he? Other incidents happened in a Cold Spring Harbor, Port Washington, East Meadow, Riverhead. The list goes on and on. Out to uh, Queens. Authorities have charged three people now in connection with the takedown of a gun trafficking ring in Queens. The district attorney, Melinda Katz, says a seven-month investigation involving undercover buys in Astoria and wiretaps led to the confiscation. 109 illegal firearms and ammunition smuggled from the Midwest through what's known as the Iron Pipeline.
3: This much lethal firepower in the hands of people on the street. I can't even imagine how many lives were saved with this takedown.
1: The three defendants have been indicted. 575 counts, faced 25 years in prison. The
3: undercover put himself in danger. The undercover went in by, upon by, upon by to make sure that these weapons did not end up on the streets of New York City.
1: 542, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo criticizing New York City's latest migrant housing facility, the disgraced ex-governor, had some pretty harsh words for Mayor Adams' plan okayed by the Biden administration to house at least 2,000 migrants at Floyd-Bennett Field in Brooklyn.
3: Floyd-Bennett Field is an old airstrip. It's a floodplain. It's a transportation desert. It will effectively isolate thousands of migrants who need our help and deserve our help. Cuomo
1: says there are safety concerns, too, with all the bathrooms and showers located outside.
3: Mayor Adams is right. The city can't bear the burden alone.
1: 500 migrants, by the way, have already moved into that tent city at Floyd Bennett Field. Community help in Park Slope in Brooklyn, also known as CHIPS, has been serving that community for over five decades, but's now struggling to keep up with increased demand. It's a food pantry. Chip says they're currently serving two times as many people per day than they were serving during this time last year. Uh, they have a chef who makes the meal, or I should say chefs, and package these meals for people in the community who don't have food to uh, eat. His name is Matthew Caban. He volunteers there. He says um, they really need double the cooking that what he's doing and double the packaging and delivering of meals.
3: On average, we're
2: doing about 50 to 60 pounds of rice. And today
3: we're pushing about 80 pounds of chicken.
0: We're currently up to about 450 people a day. Um, for all the meals, so that's breakfast and lunch.
1: The demographic of those lining up at those locations have changed as they're seeing more and more migrants who are reliant on the pantry's service. The staff says they're currently doing all they can to meet the increased demand, but they say they are falling a little short. The numbers really spiked during COVID. Then we had
0: another jump back in January in the spring. Uh, with the influx of um, asylum seekers. Lots of women and, um, and family units, more so than we used to ever have.
1: Yeah, so five decades, they say, this is maybe the worst it's been. So the good news is, if you want to, you can help out so they can help out people in the community. We
0: accept everything at CHIPS, from volunteer time to sandwiches to financial donations yeah
1: good organization called community help in park slope if you're looking to help them out all right 545 let's head over to the 77 w abc sports desk where we find justin ella
3: thank you noam all last night week nine in the nfl wrapped up with the la chargers at metlife to battle the jets on monday night football ending with a 27-6 la beatdown of new york despite the score Justin Herbert and the uh, Chargers offense didn't have to do much to earn the win. Not when their sack-happy defense and opportunistic special teams were making big plays for them. Darius Davis returned a punt 87 yards for a touchdown. Austin Eckler ran for two scores and Joey Bosa and uh, the L.A. defense stifled Zach Wilson and the Jets offense to the tune of eight sacks and multiple turnovers. Despite facing the NFL's worst-ranked passing defense, Wilson and the Jets couldn't get anything going. Zach was 33 of 49 for 263 yards, and New York went 3 of 17 on third downs. And 042 in the red zone. Sticking with the NFL for a second, the Giants' fears regarding quarterback Daniel Jones and his right knee were confirmed yesterday around noon, with the team announcing that an MRI did indeed show a torn ACL for the young quarterback. Obviously, that means Jones will miss the remainder of the season on the hardwood. The Knicks took care of the LA Clippers at home by a score of 111 to 97. Julius Randall had 27. R.J. Barrett had 26 in his return to the lineup, and New York is able to spoil James Harden's debut in his new threads. Mitchell Robinson added 13 points and 14 rebounds as well as the Knicks snapped their two-game losing streak and recorded their first home victory of the season. They'll try and make it two in a row on home court come tomorrow night when they welcome in the San Antonio Spurs. As for the Nets, they dropped a close one to the Milwaukee Bucks. Falling just short in a 129 to 125 loss at home. Giannis Antetokounmpo was his usual self, registering 36 points and 12 rebounds in route to the win for Milwaukee. Despite the loss, Cam Thomas went scorched earth for Brooklyn with 45 points in his fourth 30-plus point game of the season. The Nets fall to three and four overall on the young season and are still winless at Barclays with an 0-3 record at home. On the ice, no local action last night, but we're treated to a triple header tonight with all three squads. Back in action at 7.30 p.m., the Islanders will welcome in the Minnesota Wild, while the Rangers... Face off with the Red Wings. And then later on at 10 p.m., the Devils are in Colorado to butt heads with the Avalanche. Uh No, that's sports. And I'm Justin Elk
1: on 77 WBC. All right, let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. It is Election Day, so maybe that's the biggest story of the day. There are 12 uh important city council races that we have identified that are potentially competitive. If you want to see some of the endorsements from some of our on-air talent talk show hosts, Sid, uh, uh, Curtis. Head on over to wabcradio.com. You can see who they're endorsing. We'll highlight some of the bigger races that we have seen here in the newsroom. Uh, Queens District 19. That covers uh, Bayside, Douglaston, Flushing, uh, Little Neck. Uh this is a race that could go well into the night. The incumbent Republican City Councilwoman is Vicky Paladino. Her challenger is Democrat Tony Avella. This is a rematch in Northeast uh, Queens. Uh, Paladino beat Avella back in 2021 by about 300 votes. The thought is this could be close again this year, so we'll watch this race. It, could not be, but uh, the thought is this could be close. It's an interesting district. We checked in. I checked in with Vicki Palladino uh, maybe about a week ago to see how she was feeling about the race. There is
2: such a genuine affection for me because I am so reachable and touchable. I'm always boots on the ground. My office is, if not, the busiest city council office.
1: So she was uh, talking to me. She said, look, I think I've done a great job. I took the... Uh, you know i took case by case of people's problems and i tried to fix what was wrong and she says uh, forget the fact that i'm a republican you should just vote for me if you think i've done a good job over the last two years and we have
2: solved well over 2,000 cases we've taken care of everything from trees and potholes to stop signs and infrastructure most important infrastructure
1: that's one of the races we'll be watching tonight another one in brooklyn district 47 that covers Bensonhurst, Coney Island, Seagate. Uh, It is Democratic City Councilman Justin Brannon taking off against Republican City Councilman Ari Kagan. Now, Brannon and Kagan currently represent adjoining districts but are competing for the newly redrawn District 47, which runs from Bay Ridge to Coney Island. So Kagan was a Democrat. He switched parties to become a Republican last year. This race should be awfully interesting. We'll be watching that one as well. (laughs) Thank you. The <laughs> cat where else uh brooklyn district 48 you have republican Ina vernikoff going against uh democratic challenger ambler adler uh vernikoff is the incumbent republican city councilwoman there up in uh queens district 42 here's one that republicans would love to win uh the incumbent democrat is tiffany caban her challenger is republican kelly claimman who i also checked in with uh about a week ago that district covers a story up. Uh, Rikers Island, Jackson Heights, Woodside. What I
0: love about this neighborhood is it just it has that quintessential New York neighborhood feel to it. It's working class, and that's starting to disappear in our city. So that's why I'm running for office. Yes.
1: Yeah, so she says that's why she stepped into the race. We have
0: really filthy streets, neighborhood full of homeless again on the streets that people haven't seen in more than 20 years. We have a mental health crisis, and we have rising crime.
1: Yeah, So we don't get the chance to see any of the polling numbers in some of these smaller races. We have no sense of how I
0: believe that there's just a lot of education that needs to go out there and, and we need to get back to just voting for the person who is the best person to do the job. That needs to be done. Of
1: course, tonight our election coverage will include all 51 seats, a fair amount of people running unopposed. Others are just going to be clear winners. The Democrats will follow it, though, as the night wears on starting seven o'clock tonight. Suffolk County out of Long Island, you have Democrat Dave Cologne running in hopes of bringing what he says a different skill set to Suffolk County. He's up against Republican Ed Romaine, who's hoping that his experience and leadership, he says, counts. Both candidates vying for the seat that's been held by outgoing county executive and Democrat Steve Ballone for the past 12 years. In New Jersey, all state Senate and Assembly seats are up for grabs tonight, but many people are running unopposed. Democrats currently have... A 25 to 15 advantage in the state Senate and a 46 to 34 lead in the state assembly. There's no sign that there'll be a change of party. Party control of the body will likely not change hands unless something really shocking and surprising happens tonight. One of the interesting races, do you remember this guy, this truck driver? Edward Durer, he is in southern New Jersey. He made headlines two years ago when he pulled off one of the biggest upsets in New Jersey politics ever. He defeated the Democratic incumbent and longtime Senate president Steve Sweeney in South Jersey's third legislative district. Well, He did so, by the way, he ran a campaign. He charged everything to his own credit cards. I mean, this guy had no money, was given no money by the party and won. Fast forward now two years, he's fighting for his short political life. Democrats and progressive political action committees have poured all kinds of money into this race. They're hoping to knock him off tonight. Of course, we'll be watching that race as well as among others in New Jersey. So Paul's open in about six minutes from now in New Jersey, Connecticut. And uh New York in Connecticut and New Jersey they are open till 8 o'clock. In New York, those polls will stay open until 9 o'clock. And as the polls close, make sure you tune in to 77 WABC as we have uh election coverage, the results of these races as they come in. Make sure WABCradio.com if you're not near a radio. Or download, of course, the 77 WABC app, another way you can listen to our election results tonight. Uh, Other things happening. Uh, We've been following this story for about a week now. Police now involved investigating this report of boys passing around artificially intelligence or artificial intelligence created nude photos of girl classmates. This is in Westfield, New Jersey. Uh, Police involved uh, that they did is they took. Uh, it might have been just one, but we're not clear. One boy or a couple of boys at the high school took pictures of girls and then put them on nude bodies. Uh, essentially, AI-generated porn. Uh, New Jersey State Senator John Bramnick is from Westfield, and he's looking in to see whether state laws, if any, exist or could be created, could criminalize activity like this. It's a disgusting crime. With There should be punishment.
2: I don't get why kids would
1: do that. So, I mean, it's just a little weird. It's not like something that you should never do and honestly hopefully like something happens yeah so boys were passing this around at school and then some girls found out about this and then some girls realized that some of those photos were of them police say they are investigating that's as much as we know today and we'll leave with this story so jay vaughn he lives in hamilton new jersey he owns a 2007 Chevrolet Silverado, mint condition. He puts it on his front lawn and is selling it for 9400 bucks. A buyer pulls up into his driveway, says, I want the car. Don't give it to anybody. I'll be back with the money. As he leaves, a deer... Uh, jumps into the back of the cab. It actually crashes into the back of the cab. It comes out of nowhere. There's doorbell camera footage of this. The steer, like, jumps into the air, smashes into the cab. Um, of course, it devalues the car a little bit. And the Vaughn family saw or heard this, then looked at the doorbell camera and said, oh, my God, what happened to my Chevrolet Silverado?
3: I'm wondering, where did this thing come from? I just couldn't believe it, you know, you you, you promised the guy the truck's in immaculate condition and a deer comes out of nowhere and just caves the side of it in. It's funny seeing your video, but it was shocking to see it on your uh, person. i never seen anything jump that high in my life.
1: Yeah, so the dent the deer made caused Vaughn to lower the price. Now he's selling it for 8500 instead of 9400 What are
3: you going to do? I mean, like, it, the guy wanted the truck. He said, I'll just buy a new bed for it. I'm not going to ever forget this. That
1: yeah, The deer looked like it was okay, so there you go.